You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, presenting interviews with famous, fascinating, influential personalities from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. There are no gaps anymore, and I know who I am, and I I like the person I am, and I feel comfortable being one person. Chris Costner Sizemore, the real woman behind the movie The Three Faces of Eve, today on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Today, doctors call it dissociative identity disorder. But when Chris Costner Sizemore was diagnosed and treated for it over 60 years ago, they called it multiple personality disorder. The movie The Three Faces of Eve that came out in 1957 told Chris Costner Sizemore's story, with her name changed, of course. The Three Faces of Eve referred to her personalities, Eve White, Eve Black, and Jane. Actress Joanne Woodward actually won an Oscar for her portrayal of Eve. Now, it later came out that Chris Costner Sizemore actually had something more like 22 personalities, not just three. I met her in 1989 when she wrote a book called A Mind of My Own, in which she described her years of therapy and eventual integration of all her multiple personalities. So here now, from 1989, Chris Costner Sizemore. I thought there was a need for a positive book about mental illness, and this book is The Healing Process of Multiple Personality, plus the support system of my family and their adjustments. And I think it's important that the public know that the family is hurting at the same time that the patient is, and they also need support. Was there a, did you feel a need to, to wrap up, to, to tie up all the loose ends to the story that most people probably only know as the movie, The Three Faces of Eve, they don't know that there's a happy ending to this? Yes, I thought that was important. Well, you know, this is my second book since that. And in the other book, I was just barely getting into the integrating process. In this one, I describe what the integration is like. And hopefully other multiples can read it and realize, you know, there is an end to this. I can get well and I can become a productive person. But I'm sure you've heard from some multiples who say there's no need to integrate, that they are, that you can live a perfectly, quote, normal life with multiple personalities. I hear that often and they say they don't want to integrate and that they're okay, but they're not. They're mentally ill. And I say to them, you can never be well that way, and you certainly can never make plans as a person who has been integrated and who is whole. Um, It makes me very sad because I believe in the healing process. And I do know that 97% of these people can get well from the professionals I've spoken with. You know, that's like having cancer and not going for the cure if there is one. Although multiple personalities won't kill you the way cancer will, will they? No, but it can give you a very difficult and uncomfortable and chaotic life. And I think we all need to have the best quality of life that we can. You know, reading your book, it really made, there's, there's a passage in here that, that really makes a, quote, normal person stop to think when you talk about the difference between reality and perception and what is reality but our perception of mm-hmm. it. And to, to someone with multiple personalities, obviously what you perceive at the moment mm-hmm. is the reality. That's right. And that's, that's a very difficult concept to, to, to grasp and to comprehend. It's very difficult for me to, to find the answer to exactly 
what multiple personality is. Is it indeed a personality that is separated into many parts and then come back together? Or is it facets of our personality that everyone has that becomes activated under certain traumas and then go back into place during the healing process. To me, that makes more sense because certainly it w- the perceptions would be more real than a part that's separated from a whole. It, you know, I cannot to this day say exactly what that mechanism is. It makes more sense to me to believe that I was born with the ability to be multiple than that it developed after I experience certain things in my environment. Had you been born in a different era three, four hundred years ago, you might have been called a witch? I would have been, yes. You would have been called maybe a a, a demon of, Mm -hmm. of, of some kind? Yes. You might have been burned at the stake. True. And even today, if I were in certain countries, I would be held in very high esteem because of the abilities that they thought that I had that was unusual. So it depends on the cultures in which we exist, I think, in the societal attitudes toward mental illnesses. But to return to what you said a moment ago, how do you know, like, for example, as, as we're sitting here right now, I'm acting a different way with you than sure. I would act with my children when I of get course. home. Or in a different way than I'll act with a buddy that I would go out bowling with on Saturday afternoon. Of course. Does that mean that I have multiple personalities, or is what? I mean, what is? I mean, I'm asking a rhetorical question. Obviously, what is the what is what is the difference between what that? you're talking about is role playing and mood mood changes. The multiple personality is so totally different from that because they also have that. Each one of them would have that ability. You see. But the multiple, the alters are totally separate entities with different tones of voice. You use your same voice every time, uh, with different facial expressions, with different handwritings. You use your same script all the time, uh, with different skills. And their IQs are totally different. Your intellectual level is probably very much the same all the time. Now, I had some alters who had an IQ of 115, others who had IQs of 165. So you see, that is enough difference to tell me we're dealing with different entities. Certainly my own entities are part of me, but not just a mood or not just a role that I'm playing. Now, I found it fascinating that one of your alters what actually taught other people tailoring. Yes. Yet you can't sew. No, I can't. Um, I tell multiples they don't lose anything. They gain everything. What they really gain is everything they wish to keep. Because, you know, I can paint, and I had seven artists. I can write. I had ten poets. Uh, I think I don't sew because I don't really want to. Uh, My doctor said to me, I said, well, you know, I, I used to do this very well, and I can't even remember how to put in a button. He said, it's because it's not exciting enough for you anymore. There's so many other things going on in your life. You don't want to be bothered with that, so you have just repressed it. He said, if suddenly you found you had no clothes at all to wear, you would get to a sewing machine and make yourself dress because the knowledge is still there. And that was very comforting, you know. And he said, think about it. Everybody forgets something in their lifetime. If that's all you ever forget, don't be concerned. (laughs) (laughs) After this short break, Chris Costner-Sizemore describes her life after integration. Now back to my 1989 interview with Chris Costner-Sizemore. You know, I, I have to put the same question to you that I, I had the privilege of meeting Trudy Chase a couple mm-hmm. of years ago uh, mm-hmm. when her book first came out. And the question, I, it, it really is difficult to comprehend how 
someone with multiple personalities goes through an everyday routine when you get up in the morning mm-hmm. from the from that time you you have breakfast you go to work if you have a job you do your work you go to lunch with colleagues and then you come home in her case she was a real estate agent and was mm-hmm. selling houses mm-hmm. how can you do all of that when you have several different people within you trying to function my case was different from Trudy Chase's um, I did hold jobs and, and the, the way I could do it is because there was some consistency I didn't switch every day all the time I could go six months in one altar you know, and that, that gave me some... And as long as that was working that way, I could hold a job. As soon as the switching started, I had to resign my position because I was afraid someone would find out about it. And I guess I have managed every dress shop in the Washington, Maryland, and D.C. area at one time or another because that was the kind of work I did. I, I was in retail. And, of course, I had to resign because I simply couldn't function when the switching started. The difficult part of it, I think, is for the family. They don't know which one is there all the time, and they sometimes have to ask, even though they could recognize that it was a different one. My daughter knew them much better than anyone else in the family just by looking at them. And my son was quite astute about it, too, you know. And if he didn't know, he was innocent enough to say, which one are you? You know, he wanted to know which one he was talking to. My husband ignored them completely, which one it was. He said no matter which one it was, that had to be his wife. He just couldn't separate all this. And I can understand that. You know, if he had to think, I'm going home to the strawberry girl, or is the purple lady going to be out, or did I leave the retrace lady, the man couldn't, couldn't exist that way. So he said the only way he could deal with it was to say no matter which personality is out that, that's, the, that's my wife. And I think that was a, a, probably a very sensible way for him to approach it. But it was also very poignant when, when you described in the book, once you were integrated, that he said that he'd been married to you all these years, and yet you would, or no, you told him that, that you'd been married, but, you, but he was divorcing someone that, that he didn't even know. That's true. Um, my husband fell in love with Jane and married her. And, of course, everyone knows the story that when he asked which one he liked the best, he said, Jane. And then he saw me and he said he was getting used to me now. Um, But it's true, you see. He thought it was just another altar, that here it is again, and it's just something I can't deal with. And he hadn't even bothered to get to know me as a well person. And I had to challenge that because otherwise I would be giving up on a marriage that I hadn't even had an opportunity to work at. It took a long time, and and I understand, you know, what was going on there. He found himself married to still another woman. I find myself married to someone I haven't selected. So we really had to work very hard at it. Boy, there, too, the the mind just, it it grows numb trying to figure out what it must feel like to to all of a sudden one day realize that, yes, you've lived here for all these years, you're married to this man that you've lived with all these years, yet it all seems brand new. It was, and life is still brand new to me. You know, I tell people I'm just 15 years old. I don't get away with that. But, you know, <laughs> um, my, my experiences as a whole person is only 15 years in age. And life is so very exciting to me. You know, we recently went on vacation with my sister and her husband to the islands. And my uh, brother-in-law, I danced in the street. Teenagers do that, you know. But I, I live every moment to the fullest. And I just am very excited every morning when I wake up just being alive. So life is quite exciting for me now. I mean, it, it's not all one big 
dark black period is. I mean, you can remember who was president in 1967 oh, sure. and, and things like that. When, when a multiple integrates, uh, they grasp all of the knowledge and remember everything that the other personalities knew. And that's the importance of integration. The blocks of time that you have lost, you, you regain. And to me, that's the wonderful thing is that I know now from the time I was two years old up to now. Oh, I've lost a, a few memories there. Everybody does that, you know. But there are no gaps anymore. And I know who I am. And I, I like the person I am. And I feel comfortable being one person. Do you ever yearn for just the, the chance to have, to have just been just another ordinary woman who got married, raised a family, had a job, worked in retail, went home each evening, cooked supper and went to bed and never had anything written about her and they never had to see doctors, to just be another face in the crowd? There's moments when I, I do feel that way. However, a young college student asked me once about that. If you could have been normal or had the life you had, which would you choose? And I had to give it some serious thought because at that moment I didn't know, but today I think I would choose my same life because through it I know who I am. And I think through it I have been able to fulfill some needs for other people in the mental health field. And I feel like I'm accomplishing something for the mentally ill as an advocate for them. I would not have been prepared to do that had my life been different. Do you ever rent the movie and watch it at home? Oh, I have a copy of it, and I watch it sometimes. Hey, you like to go dancing? Sometimes. Would you like to go dancing with me? So you're not Eve White? I certainly am not. If you're not Eve White, who are you? Now, what you trying to do, kid me? I'm Eve Black. You know that. You mean that was your maiden name? That's still my name. I ain't never been married. That's for life, getting married. Well, what about Ralph? Oh, come on now, Doc. You don't think I married a jerk like that? And, and you know, it's, it's only partial to me now because so much has happened to me since the motion picture was made. I thought Joanne Woodward did a superb job of acting, that it is a fine documentary, and it brought about a lot of awareness about multiple personalities, so it was a very beneficial movie. Still, though, it took so many years, though, for people to get used to the idea that this was... Some, a legitimate mental yes. illness, if you will, that it wasn't something just that, that people were using as an excuse to, to excuse outlandish behavior. Uh, of course, the movie Sybil, I'm sure, helped in that regard, yes, too. sure. Well, you know, what I find interesting is I was diagnosed, treated, and cured before the psychiatric community ever recognized it as a bona fide illness. You see, they did not place it in the DSM through their diagnostic handbook until 1980. And I was a well person from 1974. So for six years, I'd been well before they ever recognized it as a bona fide disorder. Wow. And that disturbs me. But you know, you seem, you seem so serene now, though, so calm and, and happy and well-adjusted. Thank you. That's the nicest thing you could say to me. Well adjusted. Um, I am. I think I have a sense of peace that most people never know. I'm very comfortable with myself and with my world. And I just enjoy living. And I'm grateful for good health and the wholeness that I experience. 
Chris Costner Sizemore died in 2016. She was 89. And you can find easy Amazon links to Chris Costner Sizemore's books at our website, heardeverything.com. Would you do me a favor? If you liked today's episode, would you tell a friend about Now I've Heard Everything? We post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, one of the NFL's greatest quarterbacks of all time, and also not a half-bad broadcaster, my 2002 interview with Terry Bradshaw. I'm an NFL player, and I'm a broadcaster. I You know Alf personally. I know Alf personally. <laughs> That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Thompson.